This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, Let's Talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy. I certainly hope you ladies have enjoyed our discussions this week on makeup application with Mr. Hal King. Mr. King, as you know, is director of makeup for Max Factor here in Hollywood. All right, Hal, yesterday we got a good start on makeup for the evening. We talked about how to make your eyes and eyebrows more glamorous. Now I think we're ready for the lipstick. For evening, we choose a color that is darker than that which she wore during the day. For the same reason we spoke of previously, that artificial light will absorb the color and so make it fade away. So we use a darker color of the same family. If she likes pink, a darker pink. Coral, a darker coral, and so forth. Now, if she wants to shape her mouth properly, if she wants to make it larger or smaller, these are little tricks that we can talk about to help the woman to tell her how she can put her lipstick on properly. How do you put yours on, Lucy? Well, of course, I use a lipstick brush. I learned how to do that several years ago, and I've been very grateful for it. It's not difficult. It just takes a little patience and a little uh, studying of your lips. I have uh, an upper lip that does not have definition, so I try to raise my lip line on the upper lip and uh, create a new lip pattern. Yes. Right. And this you do, I noticed uh, the way you do it because that's uh, so important and you always do your lips yourself. Uh, you load your lipstick brush with lots of lipstick. This is the important thing. So that when you apply it to your, your lip line, you're not going to run short of color and also the lip brush won't drag. When you get a nice smooth uh, surface to work on and you have lots of lip color, you can get a smooth, definite line. First of all, make up your own mouth if it is small, thereby giving you a pattern, something to start from. Then look at yourself in the mirror and see where you want to enlarge it. If it's small, make up your lips on the outside, above your lip line, following your lip line exactly parallel. What? Parallel. What does that, mean? that means don't cross your own lip line. For example, say that your, your upper lip uh, presents the pattern of a bow, a hunter's bow. That is a wide Cupid's bow. Can you see the picture of a hunter's bow? If you're lucky enough to have it, yes, All I right. can see it. But it's small. Now you want to enlarge it. Draw the same line above your natural lip line. Oh, yes. Exactly I the see same what you line. Mean. Do that also for your lower lip. Mm -hmm. Now, conversely, if you have a very large lip and you cover your lip line with your makeup foundation so that it is a very light color, powder it, then make up your lip staying within the confines of your own lip line, mm -hmm. a fraction of an inch. You put the foundation over your lip line to sort of bring it down and hide it, and then you can make up your own uh, lip line. That's right from scratch. Now, if your mouth droops at the corners, then stop just short of your corners. Don't make up your lips all the way into the corner of your mouth. Stop short of the corner if it droops, and that'll prevent a droop. Another, anyway, the uh, lipstick brush is very, very beneficial here, isn't it? It's the only way you can get a very sharp, well-defined, clean line. I find that some women make the mistake of buying lipsticks that are too greasy. There are some of them that have so such a greasy, uh, glossy finish that it's difficult to put them on without smearing them. You can, well, if she's not going to use two lipsticks, say her lipstick is as oily or as creamy as you, you just described. If it is, be sure that the uh, your lip line is powdered absolutely dry, then it won't slip. Mm -hmm. 
That's another thing that you have taught me, to use two lipsticks, mixing um, two mm. different colors, one pale and one little darker, which gives a, a very good... Um, the darker one will give you the definition of the lip pattern. Your lighter one will present a light lip color and look prettier, fuller, mm. rounder. All right, now uh, we have the lipstick and the eyeshadow and the brows are done, the foundation is on, the rouge is on, and I would say it's now time to powder. Yes, powder your entire face uh, with a padding motion, never rubbing the powder on, because if you do, you're disturbing the moist foundation which you have applied. And make sure you have a very clean puff. Right. And hear what Hal says. It's very important. Do not scrape your face with a puff. Just pat it. That's right. Hal, you always start on me by uh, powdering under my eyes first. Uh, if you remember, I, I uh, ask you to raise your eyes and then pat the surface smooth because there are little lines that form in a moist surface because the eye muscles opening and closing. And so immediately after I pat it smooth, I powder it dry so that it will be absolutely smooth. You always mix a little uh, of my, my powders together, uh, one tone and a, and a lighter tone. I mix talc in it to give it added slip. Talc? Is that yes. talc? Yes. It's talcum powder. Right, pure white talcum powder to give an added slip and more luminosity to the face. Ooh, there's a scoop. That's marvelous. I didn't even know what that was. The lady can even take her bath talc and mix it in with her powder. It won't change the color. It'll just heighten. It'll give it a little more brightness, uh -huh. a little luminous quality to it, uh -huh. so that she'll have a sheen without having a shine, right. which is good. It's a good title for a song, A Sheen Without a Shine. All right, pay me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we are powdering very carefully with patting motions and not scraping motions. And we pat it and pat it until all the powder seems to disappear. We start with a lot and we keep patting it until it is almost gone. This means that you have absorbed all the excess moisture. Your makeup is now set and will be set for the evening. And but way we, into the hairline. And way into the hairline, And down the neck, the same tone as the face. Right. Now and then, after we have powdered and set the makeup, we don't want the powdered look. We want it to look natural, like an unmade-up face. Yeah, but first let's use the brush. Let's talk about the uh, face brush before the... All right. If there is any excess powder visible, you take a powder brush. It is a brush that is designed to brush the excess powder off the face. It's called a regulation face brush, isn't it? Face powder brush. Mm -hmm. It's a, actually a powder brush. Most of them are so shaped that they curve so that they'll fit the curve of a cheek or across the forehead and the chin and so mm -hmm. forth. We brush off the excess with the powder brush. The whole face and neck gets, gets brushed. Everything. Mm -hmm. Be sure that the powder was applied to the eyelids to set the eye shadow. That's important, yes, too. Yes, it is. Now then, we put our brush down and we take a nice, clean, soft silk sponge and immerse it in water, squeeze out the surplus, and now pat your face damp so that your face actually feels damp. You will remove all the excess powder, let it dry naturally, and the result is a beautiful, unmade-up-looking face. That but, I can vouch for, because that little trick of yours has been a great help to me. I don't like that powdery look when I finish, and that damp sponge applied properly is the answer to it. It just gives a luminous, uh, wonderful, fresh look. Well, it looks like uh, you haven't got any makeup foundation on. It yes. looks like your own skin. Marvelous. You know, an unmade-up skin has a little sheen to it, uh, almost a moist look to it. This is the way your makeup should look when you're finished. 
Well, Hal, our time's up for today, but I'm sure we are all looking forward to another session tomorrow. See you then, Hal. Hi, this is Lucy. Our guest today, of course, is Mr. Hal King. We are going to add a few finishing touches to our discussions on the application of makeup. Hal, as I've said before, is one of Hollywood's foremost authorities on the subject. And in the last few days, he has given us many valuable hints. Now, Hal, let's start today with a few tips on the application of mascara. Now, a mascara is uh, actually tricky. Most women get too much water in their brush if they're using a cake type, and they get so much water and mascara that the moment they touch it to their lashes, the lashes collapse, and they stick together, and they've got a mess. This is the trick. Use very little water. May I say here, Hal, that I have found that I must clean my mascara brush every time I use it. Well, we assume that a woman starts with a clean brush. Uh, well, maybe you I'm assuming too much. I think you are, because I've opened too many mascara boxes around the country and found a caked brush that is absolutely impossible to use. I know that you must start with clean, fresh, free bristles on any brush or you're going to be in trouble. The brush type or the cake type isn't the only kind of mascara. There are also the wands, those that come in a tube where they don't have to add water to it, and they're easier to use, and they're more waterproof. But let's say the woman is applying her mascara with her brush. The trick is to start with very little and build up. The more coats you put on, very little at a time, the better the results will be. I want to say right here, too, that you taught me that by powdering my face before I put my mascara on, helps the consistency of the mascara once I get it on. Because you've got some powder on your lashes, and so a little powder mixed uh, with the eyelash makeup make, gives it more body. This is true. But did you know that most women do not realize that eyelashes have a bottom surface and a top surface? They make up their lashes by stroking from underneath upward, never remembering that if they laid their brush on top of their lash and twisted down, that they would completely encircle each hair with eyelash makeup and their lashes would look twice as thick. Lay your brush first on top of your upper lashes and twist down and out, and then brush upward from the bottom. You get mascara on the top and on the bottom. I find that a magnifying mirror is marvelous for putting on mascara, and I think quite important. Yes, because we can't see all these little fine hairs, and, and you know, most of the hair, most women's eyelashes, the tips are sunburned so that they are white or all very light and you don't see them. And if the, the lady puts her lashes on, her eyelash makeup, starting from the very roots of the eyelashes to the very tips, she'll suddenly realize that she's got some very nice eyelashes there. Yes, they are hard to see to the naked eye. I apply my mascara like two or three times sometimes when I'm going out. At least two At or least three two. I let it dry. I put it on once completely, let it dry, and a few moments later I do it all again. With a, with a clean brush again. Right. And now let's go into the uh, false eyelashes. False eyelashes. Of course, all the, the false eyelashes come with directions on how to put them on. But a simple uh, method of doing so is first to take the lash, hold it up to your eye to see how much width you need. If the false eyelash is wider than your eye, then take a little cuticle scissors and cut, snip off a piece of it so that it is less than, than the width of your eye, not quite as wide as your eye. And now it comes with a surgical adhesive, or if it doesn't, it has a special adhesive that's used, that's put on the strip that holds the eyelashes. I use just a, a regular liquid adhesive rather than the glue that comes in yes. the, most of them. 
because the liquid adhesive is, is... It dries like rubber and it yes. comes off very easily. Yes, it's easier to remove the lashes. Mm. And I think the mistake that the average uh, person who, who is not used to false eyelashes makes is that they lay the lashes right on their own eyelashes. And I don't think this is correct. Well, not laying them directly on it, but uh, laying it so that the strip actually touches the edge of the upper lid. The lid, and not yeah. the eyelashes themselves. And then the eyelash itself naturally will lay on top of one's own lashes. They're put on but top. But not glued to them. Not glued to them. It's glued right to the, the edge of the eyelid where the roots of the eyelashes go into. Or laying the lashes on top of their own and then uh, being sure that it touches the very base of the eyelid. Now then, taking your thumb and forefinger putting your thumb under your own lash, your forefinger above it, and squeezing the skin down over it gives you an immediate uh, adhesiveness so that the eyelash will never fall off. There's contact yes. there and there's pressure. So the, eye will the eyelash will stay on all evening until you're ready to take it off. And that's another thing. Some women don't know how to take them off. Very simple. You always start at the outer corner, take hold of it, and then just peel gently towards the nose. Say that again, Hal. You take the eyelash, uh, the outer corner of the eyelash, take hold of it, and then just gently lift and peel towards the nose. It'll come off easily because it's this glue that you put on adhesive is like rubber, and it will not stick to your own hair. It'll come off just peeling it sideways, not pulling directly away from the face. Before, uh, I should have put in, before we told how to take them off, I should have added that you always redo the dark line over my eye after we have false eyelashes on. Yes, we always advocate that because in applying it, you may have disturbed some of the line or you may have hidden some of the line. And so to give the well-defined look to the eye itself, then put your eyeliner on again. Put it on before and then over the false eyelash. I think that's pretty well covered the eye bits. And I think we're ready to go out for the evening. Application of our jewelry. Oh, you know what we forgot to talk about? Matching our nail polish to our lipstick. This is simple because every time you buy a lipstick, you can buy a matching nail satin. Oh. Here's another trick, too, uh, or uh, this is a hint. A woman who is going out to buy a particular type of makeup for evening for a particular dress that she just bought. It'd be a good idea to perhaps take a sample of that material along with her if she could. Uh, maybe uh, the coat to the dress or something to match a lipstick to it. That's very or good go idea. With it. If it is a color like red or yeah. coral or orange, you know? Very good idea. There's nothing worse than wearing a red dress and an orange lipstick. I think the marvelous new beige tones. I haven't uh, worked uh, any of them for my uh, makeup yet. I haven't tried. The new colors for this coming uh, fall and winter are the beige tones. Very, very beautiful. They are colors that are complementary to almost every type of woman. I should say every woman, not almost every woman, because basically they are the natural skin tones. Yes. Uh, every woman's skin presents a beige tone from alabaster, which is no color, say, right through beige, brown, etc. because this is the, the largest or the most apparent color to our skin, beige, brown, or yellow-brown, or bronze brown. They're marvelous for the type of clothes that I prefer, the tweeds, the sport clothes, uh, the country clothes, what I call the station wagon clothes. You know, yes. what I, that, that's what I live in. Also, they are colors that it's easy to blend colors with. Uh, no matter what color dress or gown you, you buy, 
this color of makeup's going to look good with it because it's what we call a natural skin tone. Mm -hmm. And so it would be wise for a woman not to be old-fashioned or saving and try to wear last year's makeup foundation or last summer's for this new fall and winter fashion because she'll just be destroying the effect or the, maybe throwing out the money that she spent for a beautiful dress yes. just by saving a dollar uh, by not buying a new makeup foundation or a new lipstick color. This is important. Well, Hal, I think we have done very well. Thanks again so much for being with us. We always enjoy your visit so much. Uh, I, I think that your comments, your hints, and your opinions have meant a lot to our listeners. I think they've picked up a pointer or two every time you've been with us. What were you going to say? I was going to say, Lucy, that I really welcome this opportunity to talk with you because I really do want to feel that I'm a part of helping the women of America and all over the world in improving themselves. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hal. Hi, this is Lucy. Today I have as my guest Mr. Hal King, who is makeup director of Max Factor here in Hollywood. Hal has been makeup advisor to many of Hollywood's biggest stars, and he has been with me both in motion pictures and television for many years. If you will recall, Hal was my guest several weeks ago, and since then the letters have just poured in. And believe it or not, one of the questions that was asked many times by the lady listeners was, does Hal have any grooming advice for the husbands? So that's why I have Hal back with me today to give us a few tips about men's grooming. Hal, do you have a few words now for the husbands? Yes. One of the great faults, I think, about husbands is the fact that uh, they feel, first of all, they're so busy making a living that they haven't got time to think of themselves. And secondly, they think, well, maybe or perhaps it's a little too effeminate for them to do the things that would improve their appearance. Yet, when they see other men of the same age and they say, golly, he looks great, I wonder why he looks better than I, the truth of the matter is that they take the time to improve their personal appearance. Does it have to do with skin care, it clothes care, and exercise, hobbies? Those are three other things, yes. One of the most important things is that a man never thinks about taking care of his skin, yet his skin needs as much care as a woman's skin does. How do you course, take care of yours? For example, when I shave in the morning, after shaving my face is so dry and it seems to sting, an aftershave lotion isn't enough. I steal a little cream if it happens to be in the house of my sisters or if I forgot to bring some home from Max Factors. <laughs> why, uh, I will use it. I'll rub it into my skin to give my skin a soft feeling. And what get kind rid of, of cream? Is that like a baby oil would do? It would be a baby oil or any kind of a cleansing cream or even a night cream. It doesn't matter who it was made for. If it's good for a woman's face, it's good for yours. Uh -huh. Use a little of it and rub it into your skin and wipe off the surplus. It's amazing what a difference it makes. In what about shaving? Uh, men uh, dislike shaving so much, and I certainly can't blame them, but is there a, a must that, uh, that they should shave in the morning or at night or both or I don't know, shaving well, habits? Well, because of the fact that uh, men's beards grow so fast, it's important if he's going to go out in public to shave in the morning so that he presents a clean, well-groomed face. Then after he comes home at night, if it means staying in for the evening, well, forget it. You don't have to shave again. But if you're going out, you should go through the process all over again that you went through in the morning. That's why it's important to take care of your skin, a man's skin, because of going through this ritual twice, robbing the skin of all this moisture that's in the skin and taking out the natural oils, put it back with something. You say uh, if you're not going out in the evening, it perhaps isn't important that the man shave again. 
uh, what about that being the only time that his wife gets to see him or to kiss him or to be close to him? Uh, then isn't that beard a little in the way? I should imagine it would be in the way. But I think that if a man looks clean, if he comes home and takes a bath and he uses a cologne afterwards and he's fresh and, and, and exudes a nice fragrance and so forth, I think the wife will settle for that. Oh, that's very nicely put. <laughs> very nicely put. I, I would like to add, too, that men forget their waistlines quite a bit and uh, if they would just walk. The trouble with this is that the women are as much to blame, the wives, as the husbands. They feed them too well and insist they eat so much. And so they get big waistlines. Do you know how simple it is to keep your waist down, Lucille? Just pushing yourself away from the table while you're still hungry. Yes, I know. I agree with that. That one simple exercise, just a backward push away from the table. I think the American habit of having the big meal in the evening time is the biggest offender for big waistlines. That heavy meal at night, I don't like it. I love a big breakfast, but I cannot condone the heavy meal at night and then sitting around instead of taking a walk and just sitting around and then lying down going to bed. I think it's terrible. Perhaps it would be a good game for the husband to say well, to himself, well, now I'm going to tell my wife what to do to keep thin, and now I'm going to ask her to tell me. Remind each other each day. Perhaps a little reminding would help to keep people in condition physically as well, well as Well, it might help to remind them to keep in condition <laughs> in another way. <laughs> in another way, too, <laughs> yes. But it's worth a try, isn't it? Well, Hal, I think we've covered the husbands pretty well, but before we finish today, I would like to talk a bit about makeup brushes, since there seems to be a great interest on the part of our listeners on that subject. Well, there are two types of brushes. They are either round or they're flat, and they're either small from one hair up to an inch wide. Uh, the average size for putting on eyeshadow for the average woman is about three-eighths of an inch or less than a half inch. It's flat, flat brush. brush. But they're sable brushes. Sable is the best, uh -huh. but they can use camel hair brushes. Now, these brushes are available in all artist supply stores, or if there are no artist supply stores, there are stores at schools where they have these school, uh, what do they call them, little school stores for the children to supply go. Supply stores. Supply yeah. stores. And they sell them there. The chi their children can bring them home from school. Yes. But they are flat brushes. Then the round brush is used either for blending the edge if they want to, but they needn't even bother with a round brush. But it's the light touch that is, uh, that is important, to learn to use these brushes to do away with lines of demarcation, where something starts and something ends. Yes. To blend makeup, we have found the best way is with several brushes. There are face brushes, cosmetic, I mean complexion brushes, uh, blending brushes. Bl blending and dry rouge, rouge brushes and uh, mm -hmm. lip brushes and eyebrow brushes. And we are very uh, highly in favor of all kinds of brushes and learning how to use them. Is that as correct? A, yes. As a matter of fact, I think a good Christmas gift would be to give a wife a whole supply of brushes. Oh, what a marvelous fancy. idea. Would what be a great, wonderful idea. Because it, when you get a lot of brushes together, it isn't a very inexpensive item. It becomes... Uh, That's right. Could be pretty expensive, you Yes, know. they're not cheap, the real sable brushes, but they're a marvelous gift. That's a great idea because you really need about five or six different types of brushes. Well, and let me tell you another thing. If the woman should happen to get a gift of brushes and she decides she doesn't want to use them for putting on her makeup, she can always take up painting. <laughs> yes. Oh, say, while we're on the subject... If you do acquire the correct brushes, 
It is important to know how to clean them. Very important. Uh, professionally, all brushes are cleaned in a solvent like chlorothene. But if you don't want to bother with a solvent, use warm water, almost cold, never hot, and a little detergent. And let them soak in a while, in, in the water for a while, and then rinse it in cold water. Let them dry flat. Uh, shape them with your fingers, uh, between your forefinger and your thumb, so that you've got them into the original shape and let them dry on a towel. Yes, that's another thing. I know some uh, girls have marvelous brushes and don't know how to take care of them once they have cleaned them. They put them down and they dry crooked. That's right. Uh, so I stand all of my brushes up in a glass so that the, tops, good. So the tops are not touching in any uh, area. And when I travel, I put all of my brushes in a uh, container that is sort of like a, a well, a, a container that pencils come in. Yes, like or a even pencil a glass. box, you know. Yes. Or a tooth toothbrush container, just so they're out flat. Of course, in anything that we're talking about, the sponges, or the powder puffs, or the brushes, one of the most important things is keeping them clean. After each usage, they have to be cleaned. If you don't, you don't get a clean makeup. Hal, dear, thank you very much for coming by again today and giving us the benefit of your years of experience. It's been very interesting and always enlightening. I hope our listeners have picked up a point or two again, and I'm sure they have. I hope you can come back again soon because I'd love to talk to you about teenagers' makeup and hairdos. Yes, I'd love to come back, and uh, I will definitely make a, up an appointment with you, and we'll talk about teenagers. Fine. Thank you, dear. I'll be seeing you then. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.